You're listening to Movers and Shakers, a podcast about living with Parkinson's. The show is generously sponsored by Boardwave, an exclusive European networking community for software CEOs. Boardwave is a passionate supporter of Cure Parkinson's. For more details on the charity's progress around research and its fundraising, please visit cureparkinson's.org.uk. Hello, and welcome to another episode in the second series of Movers and Shakers, a podcast about living with Parkinson's. I'm Nicholas Mostyn, and we're back in the pub for another laugh and a moan. Let's see who's here. Paul Mayhew Archer. Mark Modell. Rory Kathleen-Jones. Jeremy Paxman. Gillian Nathie-Solomar. Excellent. Today's episode is about diet, gut health, and Parkinson's. Wow. So we're going to begin by having a group discussion before I introduce our guest, I imagine there'll be some fairly strong opinions, as we all have to eat. Will there be the, food? There won't be food, no. Oh. So the question... Jeremy wants I, a Scotch egg. He can't have a Scotch egg. That's the devil's food, as you know perfectly well. It's not so, the devil's <laughs> food. It's the saint's food. <laughs> Do any of you have a dietary plan having regard to our condition? Do you, no, Paul? No, I don't have a dietary plan, and I'm feeling that I really ought to. Because I've only discovered quite recently... I mean, I knew that milk chocolate was bad for me, but I didn't know that milk was bad for me, really. And I didn't know that... I, I'm, a, I'm a vegetarian, so I drink lots of milk, and I have lots of cheese, which is also a no-no, and butter. I have lots of butter. That's and all these are, are terrible food. I mean, and I hadn't realised this. You, you've had no... I've had no dietary plan, really. You, you've been diagnosed for 12 years. 13 years. 13 yeah. years, and you haven't planned your diet to meet your symptoms no, at I mean, all. It's, and it's shocking, and I'm embarrassed and ashamed. What about you, Mark? I mean, no, nothing on Parkinson's. I mean, I'm a diabetic as well, so I do try to be careful occasionally. Not very good. I don't drink milk. I mean, I don't not drink milk, but I don't have it in coffee or tea. That's a plus point. I think I'm just relatively sensible about diet. Yes. What about you, Rory? Have you made any adjustments at all to your diet in the, li- in the life no. of your No. Ju- ju- I was diagnosed in 2019, and 2020 we went into the pandemic lockdown, and then I put on quite a bit of weight, and my wife and I went on a, a kind of a regime which was very healthy, and lost a bit of weight, and now it's creeping back up again. But it was nothing to do with Parkinson's. It was trying to eat more vegetables and less carbohydrates. But as I'm an incredibly dedicated sourdough baker, it's quite difficult keeping off the bread. I mean, I think this is what affects us all. Nobody has ever told me that you need to have a dietary plan. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, Jeremy, have you, has anybody given you any advice? Nobody on ever has, and I wish I had it. Because it's only recently, anecdotally, one hears if you have a milk product. Yes. For example. Mm. Yes. That was on this podcast, wasn't it? That's how we heard it. Yeah. By doing the podcast, I've learned far more than any medical advice. It's it's only movers and shakers that is giving any information to this community, (laughs) isn't it? Gillian. What about you? Well, my story is a bit different because, well, I had Crohn's disease initially, so that is a gut issue, which it turns out is connected to the Parkinson's. And food for me is incredibly important. And I mean, I found out in a very, very difficult way how food affects me. For example, we were on a skiing holiday and I thought, oh, I really fancy an omelette. So at the top of the mountain, I had this huge omelette, which was delicious. And I then couldn't move, stuck at the top of the mountain, completely so what stuck. Was the, what was the consequence of eating the omelette the in terms of symptomology? 
I mean, it's got worse and worse over the years. So now if I have an egg, it, it stops the drug being absorbed at all. And if I have no drug in my system, despite the deep brain stimulation and these electrodes I have in my head, what happens is that, first of all, I can't move. Second thing is I can't hold my head up straight, so it'll flop like a baby. And then I can't speak either, so then I can't say what's going on either. So it's absolutely terrifying. You, you are such a sort of uh, living illustration of how bad symptoms can be. It's, it's quite and how good. I mean, it's yeah. absurd. Yeah. You know, when I'm fine, people wouldn't think I have Parkinson's. And then when I'm bad, I'm a vegetable, really. And it, and it seems to happen instantly. That's yes, the extraordinary very... thing it's, with you. It's suddenly... I mean, well, sometimes it, it is and sometimes it isn't. You know, I sometimes think if it was always instant, that would be better. It would be like a Pavlovian dog or something. You know, if you eat the egg and suddenly, I can't move. Yeah. Do any of you have a trigger food like Gillian and her eggs? Well, which I mean, I wish I knew. Up. I haven't worked out. Maybe, you know, maybe cheese has a worse yeah, effect. I didn't work it out until I had I should find out. I should find out. And I don't know why I haven't really. I can't, I'm, do, you, I'm, do you remember in the second episode of series one, Deborah Carmuth was talking about her husband eating an avocado yes. and being completely disabled while he was looking after a one-year-old child. And there's no trigger food for me that has that effect. But I think I you find my, saying, on my fifth pint, pint of bitter. I thought you said that your cooked breakfast had bad effects. Well, I, I I cook a, a big cooked breakfast on a Sunday with bacon and eggs and mushrooms and so on. The tech I was wearing showed that I went into a big dip. after that because I was taking my drugs too close to taking the protein and that was a bad thing so I now do try and time my drugs so that I take them well before I I get up a bit early take my drugs and then leave at least half an hour. Jeremy do you have a trigger food? I don't have a trigger food as far as I know but no one has ever advised me on a diet plan and I would like to. The problem is I think it's incredibly difficult to find out. I only found out about the egg thing because I'd had whatever it was, four eggs all at one time. I don't think I would have found out otherwise because it wouldn't have been as extreme. Mine's just getting worse year by year. So, Rory, you know, the fact that yours doesn't trigger, I hate to say it, but might just be it doesn't trigger yet rather than doesn't trigger full stop. I mean, we're all on this... The first couple of years, I didn't think any of my symptoms were that bad. Mm. It was, you know, like the man jumping out of the skyscraper at 30 floors down. I thought, this is fine. <laughs> now, I, I, have, I have heard that there is a Japanese island called Okinawa, which has a disproportionate number of centurions and virtually no cases of Parkinson's at all. People who are 100, but in virtually no cases of Parkinson's at all. Their cuisine there consists of small portions of green and yellow vegetables, soy other legumes, very little rice compared to mainland Japan, as well as very occasional fish and pork. That's so all they, all they eat is veg and the occasional bit but of fish. And they to 100 and there's no Yellow veg. Yeah, yeah, they live to 100 and it feels like 200. Yes, but they don't. <laughs> Name but three yellow veg. Oh, God. Oh, I'm good, not, game. Yellow, good game. Yellow. I'd rather yeah. have well, the Parkinson's. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? The there's a brilliant book, if you're interested in this, called Blue Zones. I think it's 10 places around the world where they all live to disproportionate age, one of them being in Japan. There's one in Sardinia, and it's fascinating because what they do lifestyle-wise is exactly the opposite of what we lot all do. Very little stress. A lot of them are from farming stock, where the men live a long, long time. It's the women who deal with the finances and the men who live a long time, and vice versa, I think. So some of it's to do with stress, some of it's to do with walking. Yes. I mean, a lot of the people have their sheep or some five miles up a very steep hill. Which countries have the highest rate of Parkinson's? And the answer is it's the Gulf states, the UAE, 
Oman and Qatar. And what do they eat there? Meat. Meat. Lamb. Meat, meat masses of meat, mm. which is also interesting, isn't it? Anyhow, this is the moment where I'm going to bring in our guest, Dr. Lucia Batsu. Hello. Hello, everyone. Thank uh, you for having you, me. Hello. You, Lucia, if I might call you Lucia, you are a medical doctor with many years' qualification, and you're working with Professor Chowdhury and his team on the impact of non-motor symptoms and how to manage better non-motor symptoms in real life, and diet is very much part of your work. I'm going to ask you a few questions, but I dare say the others will all weigh in as well. Brace yourself with cross-examination. Cross <laughs> it's a nightmare. No, it's not examination. Can you tell us whether, in your opinion, diet is important in relation to oral levodopa intake? Certainly. When we think about levodopa intake and diet, we have to think about two factors. One is the timing of food and the other one is the type and the amount of food we are having. So in terms of timing, it has been shown in several studies that food in general can increase the time that levodopa in the blood takes to reach the peak, which could mean that the symptoms are not well controlled as soon as we want to. The medication doesn't kick in as soon as we want to, and that's generally in food. On the other hand, what's contained in the food is very important. You all have mentioned about proteins. Yes, why? Because proteins are direct competitors of levodopa. Levodopa is a large neutral amino acid. Proteins are made by amino acids, and at the level of the gut, the absorption of the levodopa can be affected by the presence of other other amino acids and not only at the level of the gut but also at the level of the what we call blood brain barrier where the medication actually enters the brain so it's it's very important so it's a battle of the amino acids if ah, you're, if yeah you're we could say that yes levodopa and you're having protein the amino acids are going head to head and Basically, yes. Win. Yes, so exactly. So you might as well not have taken your levodopa. Yeah, and the conclusion, and several studies have shown that, that there is a certain like a rule that we could follow for having the best effect from levodopa medications, which is taking levodopa on an empty stomach, and with empty stomach, which may mean at least one hour without having food. But at the same time, we need to wait before having food after the levodopa dose, at least 30, 45 minutes. I was going to say, is 30 minutes okay? Because that's what I've been trying. The, the more, the better. We this have, is any food. It's but it in should, general be, it should food. be pills first, then the, the dodgy yes, food. Yes, and pill, right. empty stomach. Everybody is different by in terms of the time it takes for the medication to work. So for some people, it might be more required. The general rule is at least 40-45 minutes should be the minimum, but for some people might require a bit longer to have the maximum effect. And if you do that, does that mean after an hour, if you leave it an hour before or an hour afterwards, you can eat as many avocados and eggs as you like? Well, <laughs> that's another good question. Of course, protein are important for life. We don't want anybody with Parkinson stop having protein so for sure one can have protein after the at the right time there is evidence that suggests that pushing proteins and the evening meals might improve the overall effect of levodopa therapy during the day simply because of absorption factors so maybe um, an advice could be if you want to have proteins better to have them in the evening or perhaps not having big chunk of proteins during the day but distribute them a bit that's yeah. interesting because quite often there's this sort of line about having a big meal late at night is, is not good but you seem to be saying have the big steak 
we're going to have the big steak at eight o'clock at night, not at uh, lunchtime. Well, this has to be adjusted with the lifestyle, and and also it's we all know that having food late at night is not healthy Quite. for the digestive system. But in terms of perhaps having dinner and maybe knowing that in the evening you won't need as much energy or as much time on as maybe you might need during the day, this mm. could be a consideration to make. Are there certain foods which are recommended diets for people with Parkinson's? So the evidence is mixed. We certainly know that from several studies that has been done that some food, for example, foods rich in fibers, so vegetables and nuts can be quite beneficial, not only because they directly act on one of the no-motor symptoms we know in Parkinson's, such as constipation, oh, yes. so they can improve constipation. Cue Paul at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if I say if I had, uh, I love crunch, crunchy nut cornflakes, okay? So if I have those, but I have them with oat milk, would that be a good meal? Well, it could be suggested that uh, alternatives to dairy milk uh, yeah. is a good option, considering that, as we were mentioning before, milk contains proteins and it's not a small amount. So we have to keep in mind that milk can affect the absorption as well. We have the usual rule, never take a glass of latte or uh, a cup of latte or uh, a tea with milk with your medications, because some people tend to do that. So, oh, uh, I, I'm now realising I have a cup of tea mm. and wash, wash my pills mm. down with it. That, you're that's that not could good. affect actually so black tea black tea if you want to have it before half an hour or 45 minutes after 45 minutes more or less you can definitely have your tea with milk but always with keeping in mind that where there are proteins uh, the full effect the absorption of levodopa might be reduced so there is a study that has been done several years ago they showed the curve of levodopa in the blood when people were taking a glass of milk liquid milk and we could see from the curve it could be seen that the levodopa level in the blood were dipping in relation to milk taken close to the levodopa intake. My research has led me to something called flavonoids. Yeah. Now, could you explain why these are good things, what they are, and how and why they work? So, flavonoids are plant-based compounds. They are part of the family called polyphenols. And uh, they are contained in plant-based food, and specifically in dark red, orange-colored vegetables, from berries to beetroots, tomatoes, peppers. Red uh, cabbage. Uh, red cabbage, yes. Yeah. As well, exactly. So the um, red wine, red wine too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, we haven't got on to alcohol yet. That's yes. a good question. So why did, why are flavonoids recommended? So the recommendation, more than a recommendation, is an evidence we have over the past few years, and there has been a recent study in 2022 showing that diets rich in flavonoids might actually increase the survival, and I will explain in a moment the survival in Parkinson's, which means basically uh, might have a better outcome in a long term. Period. So it might increase life expectancy for people with Parkinson's. That's what a study has shown, uh, but in general. <laughs> Studies have shown that. An extra two years of drooling. <laughs> but isn't, isn't yeah. I mean, like my wife keeps telling me that blueberries are generally very good for you. Yes, Anything exactly. blue. I mean, it's a lot it's of what you're saying true for everybody. This is all guff, yeah, isn't it? it? Yeah, it is. It's all guff you always get from people who tell you what to eat. Yeah, but I don't think Eat it's guff. lots of fresh food. You're hearing the science same. here, Jeremy. <laughs> this is not guff, this is science. What we need is a brochure or something that's yeah. easy to read 
that doesn't just say you must not eat this, but gives you alternatives or gives you suggestions mm. to make it as easy as possible. Isn't the problem that, like we found, you know, the six of us have completely different, well, not completely, but very significantly different symptoms, and therefore we do different things about them because mine has changed so much over the years, and food for me has, was not an issue at first, not for the first five years at all. Mm. I didn't even think about it. But pain was a huge issue, whereas now I can hardly eat because exactly as you're saying, you know, I have to leave an hour before eating, I have to leave an hour after eating, and I take the drugs every two hours and 15 minutes, which means I have 15 minutes in which to eat everything. When we were with you in that restaurant, I mean, it was just staggering that, you know, Mike had to order the food and say it's got to come between 8.30 and this 8 This is in Barcelona, yes. yeah. yeah. Can you explain, Doctor why it's important for people with Parkinson's to have an above-average intake of vitamin B12. So vitamin it? B12, and this is true not only for Parkinson's, but for let's, let's think about the whole central nervous system and the nervous system, the brain and the nerves. So it's an important factor in order to keep the uh, myelination of the nerve cells, which is uh, the surrounding protective layer that we have around our neurons, to keep it healthy. Okay. And this is related to the nerves that run across our body and to keep them healthy. And this has been shown to have a relationship with the gait in Parkinson's. On the other hand, gait, with gait, with yeah. gait right. and postural problems and overall the gait function and movement of Which the limbs. Huge, I mean. yeah. On the other hand, vitamin B12 is essential in terms of cognition and cognitive function. So we know that deficits of vitamin B12 can lead to cognitive problems and cognitive dysfunction. And, and how so do you get, get your vitamin B12? So in a pill? Uh, vitamin B12 is contained in usually in animal products in terms of diet. It's contained in a specific uh, seaweeds that are a bit difficult to, to find. Usually a balanced diet, let's say even a Mediterranean diet, has vitamin B12 included in it. However, uh, one can think about vitamin B12 supplementations, which can be oral supplementation on a regular basis or with three monthly right. injections in case of What's it naturally taken? What's it naturally contained? Well, the doses vary in terms of what level of B12 you have. Uh, usually, if people have low levels, below 200, then the supplementation needs to be stronger, and then we record to injections. When it comes to general supplementation, usually nutritional supplementation find in pharmacies can, can be... It doesn't work. I had injections for every month, for years and years and years. Can I tell you yeah. what's extraordinary here? Apart from Gillian, I think most of us have never been told any of this. No. We've, been, we've been in the system um, and we've not had any... No, it's extraordinary. This is a big uh, discovery. But I don't know because I know. I just know because I jumped up and down and up and down until I got a dietitian. I said there must be a dietitian in the National Hospital and it turns out there was, but they didn't recommend the dietitian normally. There are two other aspects I want to raise. The importance of keeping your vitamin C up if you've got Parkinson's and also I'd like you to address the question of do probiotics make a difference? Yes, absolutely. I just want to make a small point on what uh, Gillian has said in terms of the dietitian because I think this is a very important point and the dietitian should be part of the multidisciplinary care for right. people with Parkinson's. Okay. Uh, having said so, vitamin C, why do we suggest vitamin C, especially for people that are taking levodopa? It's because vitamin C is a cofactor for the absorption of levodopa. Studies, even from like many years ago, have shown that 
that the intake of vitamin C can prompt the absorption of levodopa. And, and this is why also for people that take, for example, dispersible tablets, we always suggest uh, take a vitamin C together with it. Yes. And it's based also on the expertise and clinical expertise of Professor Chowdhury as well in well, our that's group. That's very interesting, isn't it? But you hadn't been told that before, had you? I told that, no. No, but the professor did tell me when you take your morning le levodopa, put it into a vitamin, fizzy vitamin C. And could you just tell us about probiotics finally? Uh, so probiotics are any substances that we introduce that contain live microorganisms yes. that could be beneficial for health. There is evidence from studies conducted in uh, preclinical models, for example, animal models or uh, cell cultures, that probiotic can be effective in uh, managing symptoms of Parkinson's. And now, in the most recent years, also clinical studies have shown that. In which sense? They can act on the composition of our gut microbiota, so the amount and the complex interplay between bacteria, protozoa, fungi that we have in our gut. And probiotics act on that specific level. Okay. Has the taste got better? Okay. Well, it's <laughs> improved. <laughs> We particularly tested a specific yeah. type of probiotic. It's a liquid uh, probiotic that contains four main strains of bacteria that are thought to be beneficial and uh, that you can buy online. And the reason why we experimented this specific probiotic is that compared to other probiotics that you can buy, reaches the gut and the small intestine where the absorption of levodopa happens, where the gut microbiota mainly is intact and it's not degraded in the stomach oh, by cool. the acid of the stomach. Well, the the are. pills are ridiculously expensive. I mean, more things like kimchi and uh, sauerkraut. Well, that's, Kefir. that's actually a good yeah, point. Don't make that. Make the so all the fermented food we consider, kimchi, but even like brine pickles or kefir, yogurt itself, especially when enriched, they cannot can be considered probiotics. The only problem with dietary intake of fermented food, which is not discouraged at all, is that the amount, the speci specific strains of bacteria we are introducing are not always well characterized but okay. it's actually it's but a very good point i take simprove every day mm -hmm. i don't know whether it's helping because i've been doing it for two years i suppose i could stop taking it and see if it made a difference but well, i believe that it is helping i do believe it is helping i take and do anything to try and reduce the tremor and i believe that it is one of the factors that has helped to reduce my tremor well in terms of this specific probiotic the the most recent results have been uh, the first the preliminary results have been recently shown in an international congress by professor Chaudhary and dr valentina letta this specific probiotic in particular seems to reduce the time that the medication takes to kick in ah. In addition to that, and this is not new in the landscape of probiotic, it can improve symptoms like constipation, but it seems from the preliminary results to have a beneficial effect on sleep as well and fatigue as yeah. well. Can we get down to a menu plan for all of us? <laughs> if you had three key recommendations. So I would say key recommendation, if not a whole dietary plan, would be high fibers, specifically not only for constipation itself, but because fibers are are the food for good bacteria in the gut. When bacteria receive fibers, they produce short-chain fatty acids, and these are massively beneficial for health and for Parkinson's. And what, what, what meal would be a great high-fiber meal? For example, a meal with green leaf vegetables or with nuts. In some cases, potatoes with the skin. 
has high fiber, whole grain, even whole grain pasta is a relatively high fiber meal compared, compared for example, to processed and white pasta or white rice. Brown rice might have, if we look at the carbs, but in general, vegetables. And uh, what we want is unsoluble fibers. So, so for example, skins of the vegetables okay. and of the fruits. Ah. So that's key so, recommendation so, number so one. In, so number in really so practical terms, when I go from here to get my, my sort of lunch from a cafe or, or from a s- supermarket, what are the, th- you know, it says uh, three things you can have for three quid or something. What should I get? Let's say in terms of fibers, I would recommend you to have a spinach, for example, or whole grain pasta if you like pasta, right. nuts. In addition to that, I would suggest you to buy, for example, olive oil. Uh, yes. Olive oil is part of the Mediterranean diet, and the Mediterranean diet has shown, and probably also the blue zones demonstrate that a little bit, that is effective for health, but there is evidence that for Parkinson's could be beneficial. What is your second key recommendation? Uh, olive oil. Olive oil. It could be one. And your third one? <laughs> the third one, I would say omega-3 fatty acids, maybe contained in fish oil. In general, in fish, blue, blue fish, like uh, mackerels and... Uh, oily fish. Oily fish. Oily fish, not with excess, because we are talking about fats. Uh-huh. But certainly, omega-3 fatty acids act in terms of uh, inflammation, in terms of antioxidant properties, and may act as protectors. Okay. Now, Nick said something I thought was really interesting in passing. When you're talking about Okinawa and the Middle East, mm. you didn't say that they absorbed their levodopa better. You said they didn't develop... Parkinson's. So I'm asking my question is, is it the root cause? Is diet the root cause of Parkinson's? That's a one million dollar question. <laughs> what we know though is that there has been studies, epidemiological studies made on population that have shown some evidence about uh, some dietary patterns uh, that might increase or reduce the risk of developing Parkinson's. We are talking about evidence that, of course, need to be validated more and more. But for example, intake of dairy might have an increased risk of developing Parkinson's. The consumption of Mediterranean diet based food of uh, a moderate amount of uh, red wine in some studies also coffee for example have been shown to reduce the risk these are it's limited evidence at the moment but we might say that for sure the introduction of food the effect that has on us and on our gut microbiota might have a role on the development of parkinson's well i think you should come back this has been the most interesting discussion we've had so far. Yes. Well, because it's up to all of us. It's practical yeah. as well, isn't it? It's, it's like it's like the recognition that, that exercise was good for you, you know, and important. I mean, this nobody ever t- told us about this, did they? Yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah. Not in and these terms. And is it just coincidence that what you're saying, I mean, the, the whole meal you described... You'd say for anybody, wouldn't you? Not just Parkinson's. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. And uh, one might argue, so then why is discussing about this? Because we all age, and uh, aging is a process that involves ourselves. And so people with Parkinson's age and people without age, and there are some uh, dietary rules that we can follow that can at least control or give us a better aging of our brain cells and our cells in general. Well, that's about it for this fascinating edition about diet. And I thank you very much, Doctor. Thank you. And I must say that has really it has enlarged my knowledge considerably. You've been listening to Movers and Shakers with me, Rory Kathleen-Jones, and my friends Gillian Lacey-Solomar, Mark Mardell, Paul Mayhew-Archer, Nicholas Mostyn and Jeremy Paxman. The show is produced by Nick Hilton for Poddo. 
Our theme music is by Alex Stobbs and cover artwork by Till Lukat. Thanks again to Boardwave for their support. Please subscribe to get new episodes straight into your podcast app and do rate and review if you've enjoyed the show. We're also on Twitter at Movers and Six. That's Movers and the number six. So please share the show there and email any thoughts or questions to feedback at moversandshakerspodcast.com. See you next week. <laughs>